Hey, good morning, everyone. How are you guys doing today? My name is Ben Hutton, and I am the director of student ministries here at Mission Point. And pretty much what that title means is just simply this, that I am the only person on staff still young enough to pull an all-nighter, right? No, I'm, I'm just kidding, but it is so great to see all of you guys here. I'm really, truly, I'm so excited for this morning, because this is what I believe, that God has brought all of us here specifically this morning, because he wants to share something incredible with us. So whatever you walked in that door with, whatever burden, shame, whatever fight you had with your kids in the car, you can just put it down. You don't have to clean yourself off. The God of the universe, your creator, invited you to be here this morning because he just wants to love on you. And if this is like your first or maybe second time being here, I just want to thank you. Thank you for trusting us with your time and with uh, your morning because I know that walking into a place like this can be incredibly intimidating. But I want to let you know you're safe. You're welcomed here. But before we go any further, I just want to pause and take some time to pray, to start our time off with prayer to invite God's presence to to rest on us in this place, that our hearts, our our minds, our souls can be open to what he wants to share with us and ask God to keep distraction, keep our enemy out of this room so we can stay focused on God. So if you know the person next to you, you can feel free to to pray with them or you can just pray by yourself, but we're going to take some time to pray and then then I'll join with you guys and we'll continue on uh, with our service. But yeah, let's just pray. Hey, Jesus, thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to be here this morning. It's only because of you and it's only for you that we could even be here together. So I pray that this time is focused on you, that the words that are shared will be from you, that our hearts and our minds will be open to what you want us to see, what you want us to hear, so that we can leave this place having fallen more in love with you knowing more about your beauty so that we can take that to those around us and invite them into this family and into your kingdom. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your blessings. In your name, amen. So if you've been with us at any point in the last several weeks, you know that we're right now in the middle of this series uh, called Vantage. And during this series, we're going through uh, this book in the Bible. It's really a letter called Ephesians. And some, just some important things to know about this book is that it's written by a guy named Paul. And he's writing this letter to a group of people, a group of Christians in this place called Ephesus. But something also really important to know about this is that Paul is actually writing this letter to them while he's in prison. And in this letter, the tone of it isn't rebuking. They haven't done anything wrong. They're not in trouble. But rather, Paul is writing this letter to them to encourage them and to remind them of their identity in Christ. To say, hey, this is who you are because of what Christ has done for you. And so as we as a family take time to study this letter and study this passage, that too should be the mindset that we have. That this is a a reminder and encouragement to us of who we are in Christ our identity in Christ. In fact, over the last several weeks, um, we've seen some different things that God calls us. Because of what Jesus has done, he calls us saints. 
He calls us spoiled, wanted, free, home, dynamite, and he even calls us awakened. Those are the things that God calls those of us who have surrendered our lives to Jesus. And last week, Matt shared with us, and really at the core of what he wanted us to take away is this idea that God now calls us included. That Jesus suffered and died so the walls of distinction could be torn down. That all previous barriers could, be, barriers could be done away with so that we can be included in the family of God. And so that, then we can go out and invite others to be a part of that family. We don't have to put up walls anymore. Jesus died to tear those walls down. But where we want to land uh, this morning is that God didn't simply stop at including us. No, he went further than that. He now calls us part. And so we'll be moving forward in, in Ephesians. And so we're going to be looking at the next four verses in Ephesians today. We'll be in chapter 2. So if you have a Bible, you can go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 2. If you have an app on your phone, go ahead and open it. Um, the verses will be up on the screen so you can follow along there. And if you don't have a Bible with you today, maybe you forgot it, we have a stack in the back at any point. You can go back there, grab a Bible. Uh, if you don't own a Bible, that's our gift for you. Like, please take that home with you. But we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 19. And this is what it says. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but you are fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So that's where we're heading today. That God calls us included, but he also calls us part. Let me tell you, There's a huge difference and actually a huge distance between being part and being included. Uh, I went to a small Christian school, first grade through my freshman year of high school. And so because it was a small school, a lot of the sports were really only offered for high school students. So when I got to my freshman year, I could finally try out for the soccer team. I was so excited. I loved soccer. I played a lot of soccer, soccer as a kid. So I got to try out. And by try out, I mean it was a small Christian school, so everyone that showed up made the team, right? Okay, so there's a lot of people there, and, and I wasn't that good, to be honest, compared to the rest of the guys, and I was the youngest, and so I very quickly got put on the JV squad. Now, our conference is small Christian schools. None of the other schools had a JV squad. So basically, I was a cheerleader, cheerleader is kind of what I was, and we weren't guaranteed any games. And I'm a very competitive person, so you'd think that in that moment, that would like really spark something in me, like, okay, I'm going to work so hard. I'm going to get on varsity. I'm going to, I'm going to train harder than anyone else. I want that varsity spot. Uh, but actually, there's this part of my competitive nature that I can recognize when it's just not worth it, you know? Like, like I can see that no matter how hard I try, it's just not plausible. So if you ever invite me to come play baseball or basketball or go bowling with you or have a dance-off, like, I will have fun. I'll be there to have fun, but I'm not going to try hard because I just know... I'm not going to be great at it. That's why I oftentimes laugh at golf players. Um, you know, why would you spend that time and that money and go be on a, a, cor- a golf course in the hot sun all day just to make yourself mad because you know that you're never going to be as good as Tiger Woods or, or now be as good as Jordan Spieth, right? Like, why would you do that? And so that's kind of my attitude towards this JV soccer status. Of, of there was a lot of seniors on the varsity team and there's a lot of guys on JV that were better than me, so... 
the reality was I just wasn't going to be on varsity as a freshman. So I just checked out. Yeah, I went to the games. I went to practice, but my heart wasn't in it. And I remember this one day specifically, we were doing some drills, and I had the ball, and the defender came, and he took the ball away from me. And I just kind of let him have it. Didn't put up a fight, just, here you go. And I started to walk to the back of the line for the next drill. And my coach blew his whistle, and he ran over to me, and he stopped the drill, and he got in my face. And I'll never forget what he said. He looked me in the eyes and said, Ben, why don't you try? Why don't you try? In that moment, I remember thinking, Coach, why don't I try? I'm included on this team, but I certainly don't have a part. I'm never going to see the field. Like, I don't have a role or a reason or a purpose. I'm included, but I do not have a part. And that makes all the difference. Maybe some of you could relate in a much heavier way than just soccer. Maybe it's that family that you got grafted into as step-parents and step-siblings. And you shared a roof, so you were included. But nothing about that house made you feel like you were apart. Or, or maybe it's your marriage. Now you share a last name, so you're included. But something about coming home and making your husband dinner and then watching him watch football just doesn't really feel like a purpose. Or you don't know how to unlock the emotional gates of your wife's heart, so you just, you just gave up. Your job your neighborhood, your sports teams, your friend group, whatever it is. Maybe you're included, but you don't have a role or a reason or a purpose, and so therefore you don't have a part. And that makes all the difference. And so Paul, the author of this letter, the book of Ephesians that we've been reading, he quickly wants to address this issue. That we can be included in the family of God. We can be saved and, and set free because of Christ and invited into salvation but we might not have a part. So this is what Paul says to address that in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. Consequently, because of what Jesus did and how he tore down those walls, you are no longer foreigners and strangers. You used to be. You were foreigners and strangers. You used to be on the outside. You were enemies of God and his kingdom. You were homeless. You were orphans. You were outsiders. That's what you used to be, but not anymore. The next part of the verse, he says, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but now you are fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. You used to be on the outside. Now you're on the inside. You used to be orphans, but now you have a father. You used to be homeless, but now you have a home and a family. You're on the inside. I believe that Paul is trying to drive this point home for a reason. That we as Christians, we as the church, so often struggle with this idea of being on the inside. And we struggle with it in two main ways. The first, Matt really hit on last week, that we as the church, as the insiders, we are so very quick to put people outside. We're so very quick to make distinctions about who gets to come in, aren't we? Oh, you struggle with same-sex attraction, please stay out. Oh, oh, you've been divorced, you can stay out there. You've had an abortion, you have a drug problem, you have a, a criminal record, you have a chemical imbalance in your brain, a porn problem, an eating problem, yeah, please. Please just stay out there. And we are so very quick to forget that Jesus, our Savior, 
loving and gracious, yet still just and holy, he touched the sick. He went and hung out with the drunkards. He talked to the prostitutes. He had dinner with the criminals. And he met us in our sin and in our pain and our filth. Through Jesus' death, he tore down the curtain that separated. He destroyed the temple that created distinctions. He suffered and died and rose again so that everyone everywhere could be invited to life in Christ. So that no one had to be an outsider. He did that for you and me so that now we can invite other people in. But we are so quick sometimes to push people out. But the second way, I think the church really can struggle with understanding our place on the inside. It's simply that we come inside, but we choose to live on the outskirts. So Jesus says, come in, but we say, actually, I'm more comfortable over here. I prefer to do this thing from a distance. Paul says we're family, but we say, uh, family, vulnerability, relationships, those are risky. I'd, I prefer to not do that. See, I'll come home for the holidays. Maybe I'll stop in for dinner every once in a while, but, but don't expect me to spend the night. Certainly don't expect me to stick around and wash the dishes. For me on that soccer team, I have, hey coach, I'll come to the game. I'll do the drills. I'll be there. But don't expect my heart to be in it. And do you know what the condition of my heart was when I was on that soccer team? It was Selfish. That if I can't have the role that I want, then I won't play a role at all. And in fact, I was totally fine with the rest of the team suffering because of my lack of participation. There were guys on that team that desperately needed me to be there and work hard and push them so that they could get better. The team needed me to show up and care about it so they could win and move forward. But I said, I don't want to be a part of it. So the whole team suffered. And I say this with love and care for you, but some of you here, you know that Jesus suffered and died to bring you in, but you still have chosen to live on the outskirts. And the whole family, this whole body is suffering from your lack of participation. And we desperately need and we desperately want you to step in and start living as a citizen and member of this household. I believe there are really three characteristics, very telling characteristics of someone who has chosen to live on the inside and chosen to accept the citizenship and adoption that God has given us. One One of those characteristics is this, simply serving. That in a family, there's this unspoken agreement that we serve each other. And look around, we have a pretty big family which means there are so many opportunities for us to serve each other. Simply the the chairs that you're sitting in, people come in and set up chairs and they set up this room, they set up this building. Talk about something that goes without a lot of recognition or praise, but honestly, without their service, our time together, our family meetings, they wouldn't even be possible. And behind you, we we have our children who need people who are committed to pouring into them and loving them and journeying with them. They're such a crucial part of this church. They're already making an impact on this church, and we need people willing to serve them. And I think a, another characteristic of an insider is, is giving, of choosing to give back what God has already blessed us with, to worship God and show your commitment to his kingdom by giving of your time and your resources. 
And so many of you already give incredibly generously. It, it truly blows my mind. What Matt shared with us earlier, earlier about the money we've la- raised for Love Blitz, like that's incredible, and that's because you guys choose to, to faithfully and selflessly give. And it's, it's that giving, it's that faithfulness and that love for God's kingdom that allows us as a church to move forward and make an impact and love those around us. So thank you. Thank you. But maybe for some of you, the first step you need to take of, of stepping into this family and accepting your status as an insider is just to, to serve and, and to give of your time, give of your resources. The third characteristic, and perhaps one of the most important, yet also most difficult, is choosing to be known. Seeking community. Over and over again in Scripture, we see Jesus leave everything, put behind distraction, and go to be alone with his Father. In fact, right now in our youth group in SOS, we're going through a several-week series where we're looking at what does it take to have a rooted and deep and growing relationship with God our Father. In Matthew 22, someone asked Jesus, hey, what's, what's the most important command? What does it all boil down to? And this is what Jesus says. Love God, love others. Both incredibly relational commands that everything, according to Jesus, boils down to our relationship with God and then therefore our relationship with others. God is a relational God and he created us as relational people. And that requires that we be known. That requires vulnerability and willingness to seek out community and relationship. Coming into the service late and then and sneaking out quietly once it's over, that might let you feel included, but you'll never feel apart. You can tell your friends and family, yeah, I go to church, and therefore maybe, maybe you're on the team. But if you're not seeking out community, if you're not serving and giving, then guess what? You might be on the team, but you're not in the game. And a quick side note, and I want to say this lovingly and gently, but as the person here on staff that is charged with investing in the lives of our students, as someone that God has called to love on the younger generations, not in place of parents, but but alongside of parents, I want to challenge you parents that if you model for your family and for your children that sports events on TV, traveling sports teams, lunch reservations, theme parks, if you model to your children that those things are more important than investing in spiritual community in the local church, then when your children grow up, they will prioritize their life the same way. If you don't make much in your home of spiritual community, then your children will not make much of it either. And I'll say this over and over again. The spiritual growth and development of your children starts in the home and it starts with you parents. You have to lead the way. So we as Christians, we we struggle with this insider mindset really in two ways. First, that we can be so quick to push people to the outside. And the second is that we who have been brought inside and made a part of God's family can still sometimes choose to act like outsiders and stay on the outskirts. And we have to kill that. We have to get rid of that outsider, outskirts mentality. If we're going to step into what this verse is saying and live the truth that we used to be foreigners, but now we're a part of the family, then we have to stop building walls and we have to stop living on the outskirts. And I love so much that Mission Point is a place full of people 
who are dedicated to this idea of inviting everyone everywhere to life in Christ. So many of you are so intentional about loving our community and creating opportunities to reach people. This month of Love Blitz is really an opportunity for us, first of all, to go out and invite people in, but also for those of us who are in to take a part and be a part of this family in serving and giving. But because we want to keep growing in this area, we want to push back this outsider outskirt mentality and grow together as a family, today we're going to do something a little different. And I'll be honest, for some of you, maybe a lot of you, it's going to be really hard and it's going to be really uncomfortable. But honestly, the beginning steps of community and vulnerability, they're hard and they're uncomfortable. And so we, as your leaders who want to push this church deeper into community, we want to create this space and create this opportunity to help you push through and push past those hard steps so that we can get to the beauty and richness that God has waiting for us. And we can see what God truly wants to do here with us. So in the next few minutes, I'm going to ask you guys to trust me. Trust me and trust us. As people who care about you and are charged to to lead this group into deeper community, trust us. This is for our good. When you came in, there should have been a a puzzle piece on on your seat. If you want to go ahead and grab that right now, you just hold on to it. If you sat on it or you lost it, you can go ahead and snag one off a chair next to you. But just hold on to this piece. And when I say go, this is what we're going to do. You can wait till I say go. But when I say go, I want you guys to stand up. And I want you to look around this room and find someone you don't know. Our SOS students, we do this every week. They know what we're about to do. I want you to stand up and look around this room and find someone you don't know. This is what you're going to do. You're going to go over to them. You're going to trade puzzle pieces with them. And then you're going to ask and answer three questions. Simple questions. What's your name? How long have you been going to Mission Point? And what is your favorite color of leaf during the fall? Right? Simple questions. And we want you guys to feel free to to get out of your aisles. Move chairs, make a mess, whatever you need to do to go and find someone that you don't know. And also, this is not how we're ending service, okay? So don't bug out yet. Like, we're not finished. That's what we're going to do. And before we do that, let me say a couple of things. I know for some of you, some of you are freaking out right now. That's okay. I'm actually an introvert, so this this freaks me out too. But trust me, I'm going to be on this floor with you guys meeting someone new. We're in this together. And for some of you, This may be like your first time ever being here. So like, this is the weirdest thing ever. Like, what are they doing? That's okay. This is a safe place. And understand that we are doing this because as a family, we want to become a better family. So if you're new, if this is your first time being here, then what a great time to join. What a great time to jump in as we are working to be better at community. And if you've been here for a while and you know a lot of people, It could be really tempting for you just to hang back. I want to encourage you. Please lead the way. Please be the ones that get up and go and seek out people who might not know as many people or who might be less comfortable. This is an opportunity for you to invite people into your family and make them feel welcome. We don't want you guys to feel rushed. We have time set aside for this, so so make the most of it. Trust us. Believe that this is for our good. That we want to move deeper into the blessings and the richness that God has for us. You guys ready? Go.
Looks like we have some new best friendships forming already. But hey guys, thank you so much for, for jumping into that. Really, I appreciate it. Like, thank you so much. You can now sit back and relax, take a deep breath. But we just really spent the first part of our time together only looking at the first verse of this passage. And to be honest, we haven't even gotten to some of the better stuff yet. And so we're going to keep moving forward. And after Paul reminds us of our status as family and citizens, he makes two very important clarifying statements. That if we're going to dive into this whole family thing, that these two statements are going to really be helpful for us to take off some of the pressure. And so this this is what he says. He says, You are also members of this household, and that household is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. It's built on the foundation of the, the apostles and the prophets. And what Paul is saying here is, this thing is so much bigger than you. This church, this family, this movement, it's been going since before you were even born. And you know what? That is so incredibly comforting to me. You know why? Because it means I'm not going to mess it up. I'm not going to somehow single-handedly, unintentionally screw up the kingdom of God. I mean, if you look back into the Bible, you see screw up after screw up after screw up. And God's kingdom is still advancing. This thing is is so much bigger than us. So you can dive in because guess what? You're not going to mess it up. But you know what? You can miss out. Dive in because you're not going to break this thing. But if you don't dive in, you could miss out. And then look at Paul's next statement. It's built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. Not only is this thing bigger than us, but it's also not even held together by us. And look what Paul says later about Jesus in the book of Colossians. He says, The Son of Man, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things. And in him all things hold together. He is the body, the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Jesus is the cornerstone. And the cornerstone is the thing that holds the structure in place. It's the thing that bears all the weight and keeps it upright. You and I, we fail, we break, we are weak, and we are unable to hold up our own lives, much less the kingdom of God. We were powerless to even save ourselves, much less save anyone else. And that's the beauty of this statement. That Jesus, the Son of God, perfect, holy Savior and supreme King, He's the one that holds it all together. And he doesn't fail. He doesn't tire. He doesn't break. This thing is so much bigger than us, and it isn't even reliant on us. So we can stop believing the lie that our failures and our struggles somehow disqualify us. Jesus holds this family together. So when you fail, he's still got it. The foundation of the prophets and apostles is a foundation built on lying, stealing, adulterous, murderous people. Imperfect people. But people saved by the grace of God, the same as you and me. In fact, God loves to use broken and worn bricks to build his kingdom. 
because it's held together and it's kept safe by the person and the work of Jesus Christ. This kingdom is so much bigger than us. And we're not the ones that have to hold it together. And Paul continues in Ephesians 2, verse 21. He says, In him, in Jesus, the whole building, the whole family is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. That phrase, joined together. The New Living Translation puts it as very carefully joined together, emphasizing that this is not an accident. Look around the room. The people here, it's not an accident. College students, maybe there's that person that you dated your freshman year, and it was just a complete mess. But now you have all that junk, all that garbage, all that dirt on them, and you see them walk into the door on Sunday, and you're like, seriously? They're not allowed to come into this house. This family, I got some serious dirt on them. There's no way they belong here. Or maybe it's that person in your missional community that just annoys you. It's like, all right, God, I'd be okay with maybe distant down the street neighbors from that guy, but family, no way. But God here is saying no. You are actually carefully and intentionally joined together like a a builder who plans ahead. God is planning ahead what he is building, and he is building it perfectly. So we don't get to question who he brings into the family. We don't get to question who he asks us to invite into the family. And we don't even get to question what role he asks us to play. Because God has created this thing to come together perfectly. People, parts, bricks that fit perfect. And what happens? The next part of the verse says that we rise to become a holy temple in the Lord. That temple imagery last week, Matt talked about this last week, of how before Jesus... God's presence was contained inside of a physical space, a physical building, and only certain people had access to the various parts, and only a very select few people ever even got to enter in to the presence of God. But because of Jesus, that temple was destroyed, and now God's presence is with us. We get to experience the presence of God. And because of Jesus, when we come together, verse 22, is what it says, In him... You two are being built together. To what? To become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. The presence and power of God is no longer restricted to a building with limited access. But now through Jesus, the spirit of God has been released and implanted in his children. And when we come together, we create a vessel in which the power and presence of God lives in us through the Holy Spirit. We're not just a church. We are a vessel in which God has chosen to build his kingdom. We're the individual and corporate vessels in which God's spirit now dwells. And can everyone pick up that puzzle piece? Just hold it. You see, Jesus suffered and died and arose again to make you a part of his kingdom. Not all of it. He has carefully joined us and interlocked us together. And those pieces that you're holding, it's that picture. And that picture, God's kingdom, it never happens. It never comes together unless we decide to come together and play our part. You're not holding the whole thing. 
a part of it. And we have to come together if we're going to ever see this thing happen. And when you're building a puzzle, what are some of the most important pieces? The corners, right? The corners provide the shape and the structure and, and the fullness and completion of the puzzle. And guess what? None of us have corners. Because Jesus is what holds this puzzle together. Jesus is what holds this kingdom together. Jesus is the cornerstone. When we play our part, when we live our purpose, we invite his presence. When we accept that we are a part of this family and we dive into our identity as children of God and we go out with that invitation to bring people into the family God is with us, and his power and his presence work through us. When we go out into this community, into this county, into our schools, our sports teams, our families, our neighborhoods, our jobs, and we're willing to play our part and take that invitation with us, God's power will be with us. God's presence will be with us and will work through us. And this place, this city, this county, it'll never be the same. Can you imagine the impact that we could have on this place if we all chose to bring our pieces together and play our part? The presence of God would not only be with us, but you see, Jesus died. He conquered death so that you could have a part. He already calls you part. But you have to accept that invitation and choose to play your part. And if you do, when we play our part, when we live our purpose, we invite his presence. In this place, it'll never be the same.